You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 81. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Michael Lindley, who is an Amazon best-selling author of thrillers and historical mysteries. Michael's books are set in idyllic locales and often have intriguing historical context to them. He now writes full-time, having stepped away from a career in marketing and advertising, and divides his time between northern Michigan, Colorado, and Florida. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to uh, talk to you about the Dan Brown Masterclass. If you're uh, an aspiring writer or an experienced writer of thrillers and you want to learn uh, how to craft page-turning suspense like Dan Brown, I highly recommend his uh, Masterclass at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash brown. We'll have access to uh, 19 lessons. It's uh, his first ever online class. And he, uh, Dan Brown teaches us a step-by-step process for turning ideas into page-turning novels. It's 100% exclusive contact from the uh, Masterclass. Highly recommend that you check it out. Even if you're not a writer, if you're just a fan of thrillers and a fan of Dan Brown, it's kind of cool to see how he uh, crafts his, uh, his, his books, his huge hits like The Da Vinci Code. So highly recommend you go check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash brown it'll help uh, support this uh, podcast if you uh, sign up to the uh, to this class uh, through that link all right let's get to the interview with michael lindley hey everybody this is alan with meet the thriller author and on skype i have uh, michael lindley with me how are you doing this afternoon I'm fine, Alan. Thank you for uh, having me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it. For our listeners who might not be familiar with your uh, with your books uh, and your background, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, I uh, have six novels that are published now. Uh, they're in a series that's called the Troubled Waters Suspense Thriller Series. And uh, all the stories are set on lakes and oceans and rivers, and more recently, the low country of South Carolina. So Thus, the uh, the Troubled Waters common thread. Uh, There are actually three different kind of mini-series within that. The first two are set up in northern Michigan, where I am today, back during the 1940s, uh, with a parallel storyline in present day. The the third novel is set in Atlanta, and um, a small town called Grayton Beach, Florida, back during the Prohibition uh, years, some fascinating history there. Uh, for that third story. And then my more recent books, the last three books are set in the, uh, I call the low country of South Carolina, Charleston, Polly's Island, fictional Duggenville, South Carolina that I've created. So I guess I would describe my genre as uh, mystery thriller and romantic suspense. All the, all the stories feature men and women who are in relationships that face all kinds of kinds of challenges, tragic loss, betrayal, murder in some cases, you know, all the food groups of treachery and menace and mayhem that that you find in thrillers. I guess I've always enjoyed uh, suspense thrillers from writers like Dennis Lehane and James Lee Burke, uh, Harlan Coben, and lots of surprising twists and unexpected outcomes in those stories. So I've tried to capture that sense of anticipation and surprise in, in the stories that I write. The common thread of the series is the uh, the, the water, uh, but the different characters then, obviously, because they're time periods? 
Yes, as I say, there's and these books have been written over close to 15 years now. So the first two pair of stories, again, set in northern Michigan, the third in Florida, totally different characters. Matthew Coulter in that story called Ben to the Tempest is the son of the family who runs the liquor trade in the South, fictional family. He's betrayed by his brother and faces a whole series of challenges related to that and love affairs that are doomed to fail and such, uh, but set in also in Grayton Beach, Florida, which is a really interesting town on the north coast of Florida near Destin that back during the Prohibition era had a whole history of moonshiners and bootleggers and uh, a killer hurricane that blew through the area that are that I've woven into the story. And then, as I mentioned, these my last three books, Lives We Never See, A Following Sea, and book that debuts its Friday, actually, Death on the New Moon, are all set in South Carolina, Holly's Island, Charleston, a town that's very similar to Georgetown, kind of set on the inland coast there. And a uh, storyline that begins during the Civil War, but again has a parallel story set in present day with two characters, uh, a free legal clinic attorney, Hannah Walsh, and uh, Charleston police detective Alex Frank, who uh, are in the, the next three stories. Uh, Hannah her finds her husband murdered and involved in a failed land deal with a pretty dangerous crime syndicate. Uh, they think that she's hidden away several million dollars from that deal that they want back and will go to great lengths to get it, including kidnapping her son. So the uh, police detective Alex Frank comes into the story with, along with the FBI and tries to help her with that. And then their storyline continues through the next couple of books as a romantic uh, relationship develops and additional challenges and crimes uh, they have to deal with. We're talking on June 19th, so by the time this airs, though, Death on the New Moon will be out already, so people can go check that, check out your latest book. Yes. Exciting, right before a, a book launch. It huh? is. <laughs> Nervous uh, and exciting. <laughs> long list of to-dos that I'm still working on. Uh, as you know, it's uh, quite a process in the last couple of weeks to, um, to get everything ready. Were you always wanted to be a writer? No, I've always, I've always uh, been writing. Even back in school, I always enjoyed writing short stories. And even back in grade school and junior high school, had a poem published by one of my English teachers in high school, gave me some early encouragement. And uh, I wrote a couple of, started a couple of novels in college, but like many, uh, never got to the finish line with them. And then uh, had to go to work, a career, family, and such. And uh, it was not until I was that magical birthday of something about 50 years old. It's kind of a wake-up call for all of those things that you uh, still have on your bucket list, so to speak. And one was to go back and finish one of those novels. And uh, I have a long story short, it took about five years, but kind of the germ of an idea from a book I started in college came together as my first novel in uh, 2008, I guess is when it was finally published. But uh, so I retired. Uh, so I I've worked in the marketing and advertising industry for over 40 years. I was always writing professionally in that respect, more business writing than creative writing. And starting in 2005, I uh, began working on my novels, and I, I retired just two years ago. So I'm writing full-time now, which is wonderful. And I can set my schedule around both writing and marketing. As you know, it's an essential part of the, the business as well. 
Yeah, that's good that you you had your background in the marketing and in advertising because that's usually for writers it's it's a hard hard beast to uh, put your hands around. So it's good to, good to have that the skill set uh, nowadays. Well, you know, you think forty years in marketing communications. I worked for some great advertising agencies would uh, prepare me for this, but book industry is a unique <laughs> animal into itself. I'm learning every day. Successfully build a platform grow uh, you know an engaged readership and there's so many tools to do that today uh, with email and social media and online advertising publicity author partnerships that that you create outreach like this podcast obviously so it's um, you know it's an essential part of getting your stories out there And so what's your uh, writing process like when you first start getting the idea and you sit down to write it um, do you outline or do you just kind of start writing it or how, how's your writing process developed? You know, all my stories, interestingly, it started with a um, kind of a compelling location. You know, as I mentioned, Northern Michigan resort town, Prohibition era, Atlanta and the North coast of Florida during the 1920s. And, and then the, the low country of South Carolina back during the civil war and in present day. So just really beautiful, idyllic kind of locations. And, and then a story idea will develop. Uh, from that, really, the characters will uh, come together. And so essentially, I just have a concept and uh, I build it around, obviously, an antag a protagonist that uh, is going to have a relationship and then face some serious challenges. So well, typically, I'll write a one or two page um, summary or synopsis or outline to begin. Uh, but the story takes many twists and turns. I don't write a full outline. Although uh, the last few books, I've been working with uh, great software that I'm sure you're familiar with, Scrivener, which has a, a wonderful um, way to kind of plot out um, chapter by chapter um, that I've found very easy to work with and kind of moved away from the Word platform. And it allows you to keep all of your research and notes and character profiles and such all in kind of handy um, range to refer back to you. Um, so while I think I have a, a story in place, typically it takes many twists and turns as you kind of discover how to keep the story exciting and page turning. And do you usually write like in the, do you have like a set schedule or do you, in a location or do you like mix it up and go to a coffee shop? <laughs> you know, I, I'm very early riser, always have been, and uh, typically write in the mornings and uh, I don't have a particular quota or number of pages that I, that I try to write every day. I, um, I write until I get uh, distracted by something else or until I just run out of steam and typically um, spend the latter part of the day working on the business side. Um, I'm independently publishing my books. And uh, so I'm responsible for, uh, you know, soup to nuts obviously from production and distribution and marketing and as well as the writing. So it's really an interesting business. There's, um, as I say, with this book launch coming in a couple of days, uh, the, the number of uh, boxes to check gets pretty considerable. Yeah, it is kind of crazy how, how much stuff needs to be done as an independent from the editing and proofreading and the covers and the marketing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, self-publishing has come a long way. When I had started in 2005 and had this first book finished, had it professionally edited, felt pretty good about it, and uh, started reaching out to agents, as most writers do. And there's a 
interesting catch-22, of course, with finding an agent. To get published, you need an agent. But to get an agent, you need to be published, typically, <laughs> and uh, or have an incredible celebrity platform uh, so they're confident your books will will sell through. So I, over a two, three year period, I, uh, had, uh, gosh, well over 200, thank you, but no thanks kinds of interactions with some great agents and some encouraging feedback from a few that kept me going. But then I started looking more into, uh, the growing self-publishing opportunities. And it was very different, you know, 15 years ago, there were some kind of soup to nuts platforms that you could get involved with that I started with. But eventually I, I found partners that I could do all this on my own. So I worked with uh, book cover designers, book formatters, editors, distribution partners like Amazon and draft to digital and Ingram, of course. And I just find it's much more flexible. I have control over the whole process and not ruling out continuing to find the right agent and publisher down the road. But I find this, uh, you know, a pretty uh, viable way to approach the business. And so were you always a fan of thrillers and mysteries before you started to write? You no, know, I was. I um, have a lot of favorites. I mentioned uh, Dennis Lehane. I think James Lee Burke, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best writers um, out there today. Uh, with his Dave Robert show series down in New Orleans and Iberia Parish, uh, Louisiana. But I, I grew up reading a lot of different genres. I always enjoyed Hemingway, frankly. Um, I'm sitting here in northern Michigan looking out at Lake Charlevoix. Hemingway used to hang out across the lake here in the early 1900s. And uh, I've always enjoyed his work. I've uh, been to his writing studio down in Key West at his home down there. And but over the years, I've kind of moved into, um, you know, reading Ludlam and Grisham and more recently thrillers like um, uh, Vince Flynn and his Mitrap series and Brad Thor and Scott Harvath um, series of stories. Daniel Silva and uh, the Gabriel Alon books are probably my favorites right now. So I've, that whole spy thriller genre, I still read a lot. I actually have a, a story idea that. I'll get to eventually in that genre, but I, I feel like I need to stay focused now in, in this uh, kind of suspense thriller, romantic suspense space as you know, I'm trying to build my readership there. Yeah, they're doing well, so it makes sense that you want to keep the momentum going. Yes. <laughs> so I, I noticed that um, also um, that you've done well in the historical thrillers uh, category, and I was kind of just curious about that. So so that's like you were saying that in the, your one story where that was... Uh, woven into an actual hurricane that had happened. Um, so that's part of the historical thriller back scenario right. that uh, it's based on a real historical event. It is. In that particular case, that my third book, again, set in Florida and Prohibition era Atlanta, was more around kind of the general state of, of the city during Prohibition in Atlanta, as well as uh, this kind of remote Florida town that the, the hero runs off to, to for a respite from his family. And he... Um, encounters a gangster who's kind of hiding out down there who he befriends and uh, falls in love with a, a woman who's really troubled with some issues down there and they get into all kinds of trouble. But, uh, but really my first book is where I started with an historical context. Um, there's a book called um, uh, Seasons of the Emily, which has now been retitled The Emily Affairs. The Emily is a, is patterned after an actual 
uh, yacht that was here on Lake Charlevoix in the 1930s and 40s, 190-foot uh, cruising yacht. It was owned by the uh, family that, um, well, the old family of Oldsmobile, actually, um, that lived in the area at the time and had this magnificent yacht. So I, I patterned a story about the family, fictional family, the uh, Comptons who owned that boat and their daughter, Emily, who falls in love with a local uh, boy whose family owns a, a boatyard on the, on the lake, as my great-grandfather did. Uh, many, many years ago, which was kind of the inspiration for the story and class struggles and other issues and actually a brutal murder kind of get in the way of that relationship. But about halfway into writing that book, I started thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if this classic yacht came back to Charlevoix in present day with a new owner and he meets a woman who's a descendant of the earlier family who owned the boat and and a relationship develops there and it kind of created this dual narrative that several of my books since have taken that approach. I find it really interesting to write about a place both in a historical context as well as in present day. And how much research do you have to put into that? Because that's, it'd be so, it'd be difficult because, you know, you want to say the reach for the cell phone and, <laughs> or run on the computer and they can't do that with those. Yeah, you know, there's great resources for just about any location. Uh, Charlevoix Historical Society has been very helpful, partnered with me over the years uh, to dive into their files. That's where I found out so much about this boat. What the uh, town of Charlevoix was like back in the 1930s and 40s when my story is set, the Internet has all kinds of resources for that. Uh, really the same with Creighton Beach back during the 1920s. The, the storyline of my last three books, though, began with a nugget of an idea that centered around the Civil War. I came across the fact, I was, I was thinking about writing the story about the last soldier to die in the Civil War. It just came to me one day. And as I was doing that research, I found out that there was a battle fought uh, six weeks after the war actually ended. The Civil War actually ended 1865. And there was a uh, this treaty had been signed at Appomattox and everybody was going home. But there was a Union outpost on Brazos Island, Texas, just offshore from the Rio Grande River and the Mexico border with a Union Army officer colonel down there who had kind of been sent there to keep him out of trouble, even though he was a West Point grad. Um, he apparently wasn't a very good officer, so they put him down there just so he couldn't do any damage. This is a true story from the research that I've done. And he commanded about 300 soldiers on this remote outpost to kind of keep an eye on the Rio Grande Harbor or entry to the river. And the war ended and he had nothing on his resume and felt that he needed to um, create a reason to go um, attack the Confederate garrison in Brownsville about 10 miles away. And uh, he did that not knowing that one of the Confederate Army's best battle commanders was there knew he was coming and terribly unfortunate battle. A lot of people were killed and injured and the Union Army was defeated in that battle and went home with their tail between their legs. Just kind of a very, very interesting story. So I decided to create a fictional story about an officer who uh, becomes an unintended um, victim of that. He's blamed for the Union failure. His life is ruined. Kills a Confederate officer in that battle and a year or so later, feels he needs to return to South Carolina to deliver a letter to the widow of that Confederate officer that he found on his body. And, uh, of course, 
uh, relationship develops there. And, but again, as I got into that story, it occurred to me it would be interesting to write uh, a present day storyline of a uh, descendant of that of this woman's, this widow's family, uh, who's in Charleston and Polly's Island, still owns the home on Polly's Island that was there during the Civil War. That's, that's Hannah Walsh, uh, who is kind of the heroine of the uh, of the last three books and this new one that's coming out on Friday, Death on the New Moon. And can you tell us a little bit about that one? That- yeah, so Hannah runs a free, le- uh, she's an attorney that runs a free legal clinic in uh, Charleston. Her husband's deceased and it's murder from her previous book. Um, she's now in a relationship with Detective Alex Clark that seems to be going well after serious issues in the previous two books. Uh, but then um, Alex finds himself uh, in a near fatal encounter with a dangerous crime boss who's trying to expand his uh, gambling enterprise in South Carolina. And he has a pretty ruthless assassin uh, who's taking out anybody who's getting in the way of that happening. And Alex finds himself in the crosshairs of that. So as Hannah gets involved with trying to help Alex through all of that, she is also helping a, a young woman who's facing the uh, tough decision, a tough medical decision with her, that her family's opposed to, and she has to help her through that. And then to make it even more interesting, an old lover from her past returns and uh, kind of sets the whole relationship with Alex at a, at a delicate uh, place. So all of that comes together in Death on the New Moon. And so you mentioned earlier you're continuing the, the Troubled Waters series? Yeah, so all of the books are really in that um that category of the Troubled Waters series. And uh, the next book I'll write will continue the, the Hannah and Alex storyline, which is gaining very nice traction. But I, I, I do plan to revisit earlier books, the two Michigan books. I've, I've got a storyline outlined for a third in that kind of mini component of the Troubled Waters series. And also have a, an idea to revisit the Atlanta and Great Beach, Florida story uh, to uh, kind of pick up on the middle of uh, Matthew Coulter's life and uh, continue that story, which was called Ben to the Tempest as well. And uh, so uh, you're, you're keeping real busy. With- you know, I am. It's it's great to be, I say retired, but I feel like I'm working more than I did in my corporate job. But uh, it's a labor of love. I wish I had a little more time to, to write, actually. As I mentioned, the business side of it is... Um, is quite demanding, and uh, I, I'd like to be working every day on this next story, but really six weeks before our new book launch, you really have to focus most of your time on the business side of things. So excited to get this new book out, but then dive right back into uh, the next story. How long does it usually take you from the time that you get the idea, sit down to write it, to be finished with the, with the first draft? You know, I the first book I, I finally wrote while I was working was probably over a five-year period of time to get it finally edited and ready to start submitted to submitted to agents. I remember I had uh, revision 22 in my uh, PC at one point, so it, it was a long process. But I've I've learned a lot since then. Uh, you know, in retirement in the last years, I've finished and now published three books. Typically, it takes about six months for me to get to a finished form that I'm happy with, and I hopefully I can continue to increase the uh, productivity there I, just because I enjoy it. And uh, I wouldn't mind even having a couple books going at the same time, frankly, so I could start working on some of these other genres. 
the spy the spy thriller genre particularly. Yeah, the readers really uh, liked uh, new books out a lot. I've noticed that uh, from the uh, self-publishing perspective, they really do, don't like to wait around uh, for the, for the next book, which puts a little more pressure on us. <laughs> no, there's some very prolific authors out there. I look at um, the series that are coming out, and uh, you know, with the distribution like Kindle Unlimited, where people can download books and just you know, read all night long uh, and then want to read the next one tomorrow. <laughs> a lot of authors are trying to put out, you know, 10, 12 books a year. It's, I, that's, um, that's a big task. Yeah. Are you a Kindle Unlimited or are you wide? I have both actually. My earlier books are in wide distribution through Ingram and Amazon and draft to digital so that they're out to Kobo and Barnes and Noble and such. Uh, these last three books I've been exclusive on Amazon and it's, you know, it's been very uh, good experience. Um, I'm not, you don't have to do that forever. That's the good thing about it. It, um, you can take the books wide after a while and expand distribution, but there are some great advantages to, uh, the Amazon platform. Uh, I can't remember the number of readers on Amazon, but it's millions obviously. And, um, uh, but there are also 10 million books out there on Amazon. So it's, uh, it's a real challenge to uh, distinguish yourself and uh, reach the people that are looking for those kinds of books. And I noticed I was visiting your, your website that uh, if people want to check it out, also uh, you're giving a, uh, one of your books for free at the michaellindleynovels.com. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I found after that book was out for a number of years that it was a great way to um, – put out on Amazon for free and on my website for free to introduce new readers to my work. And, um, it's in that, uh, respect, it's become number one on, uh, the Amazon platform for free, um, downloads on numerous occasions for mystery thriller and, um, historical mysteries and thrillers for, uh, there's a number of categories that it's been number one. And then my more recent book, the first in the Hannah and uh, Alex um, series, recently reached number one on Amazon, uh, where a similar promotion uh, offered it Amazon platform free for five days in advance of this new book coming out. And there were over, I want to say, close to 6,000 downloads wow. a week that uh, hopefully those people are all uh, anxiously anticipating my new book this week. So. So they have great tools like that, that that help you reach out to a new audience. And where else can the readers find you? I mean, they got your website, obviously, um, but you're also on social media? I am, yeah. I have a Michael Lindley Novels Facebook and Instagram and twint, uh, Twitter under the username Michael Lindley Novels. Um, I have a blog that I uh, publish uh, usually about monthly that gets fed out to my website as well as those social media platforms that um, – or, you know, has updates on my books, but I also profile other authors that I enjoy reading. I, um, done a whole series of great international thrillers. If you're traveling overseas, big Donna Leone, and if you're going to Venice, Italy, for example. So it's, it's fun to write about other authors. Re recently did a profile and review of Rachel Kane, who writes terrific, uh, gripping thrillers, uh, the Stillhouse Lake series. And uh, I reached out to Rachel to see if she would like to put a quote in the blog that I wrote. And she sent a nice um, 
piece to insert into my blog and offer to give away some signed copies of her books. Uh, so it's, it's really been fun to partner with authors like that and um, um, help bring more attention to other writers that are in, in similar genres. Yeah, I see a lot about Rachel, Rachel Keene and her uh, her her book series, but I haven't read her books yet. Uh, it's been on my it's on my big to do to read to to read pile on my Kindle. <laughs> yes, the uh, Rachel Kane. Uh, it's a Stillhouse Lake series. Um, a, a woman who finds out her husband is a serial killer, and um, she is uh, implicated in numerous deaths and has to flee with her family. Uh, they're really uh, fascinating stories. Very well, very well written. Um, but you ask about where to find my books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, uh, the first three books are distributed um, through Ingram uh, distributors. So they're available at all bookstores to be ordered. Uh, more local bookstores where I live and visit typically have them in stock, but they can be ordered at, at any bookstores around Kobo, barnesandnoble.com and, and so. Okay, well, uh, Michael, I'm not going to take too much of your time. Just to let listeners know by the time you listen to this, his latest book, Death on the New, on the New Moon, will be out. And so I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on to the podcast and talking about your novels and, and your work. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Yes, likewise. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.